Hello friends, welcome to the Functional Nurse Practitioner Podcast. I'm a board-certified family nurse practitioner who specializes in women's health, utilizing both conventional and functional medicine strategies in order to provide a more comprehensive approach for optimal health. The current model of care in healthcare is very lacking, which led me down the road of functional medicine. Functional medicine is a systems biology approach which looks at uncovering the root cause for the symptoms we're having in order to allow for healing versus simply applying a Band-Aid to the situation. I believe we need an integrative approach of both conventional and functional medicine in order to provide the best care possible. I've been incorporating functional medicine practices within my gynecology practice and have seen phenomenal results. I believe we need to level up our healthcare system so women, all my ladies out there, can actually feel better. Just a quick disclaimer that this podcast is meant for educational purposes only and is not meant to diagnose or be a substitute for medical advice from your practitioner. Also, if you like what you hear on this show, I would be real appreciative if you would leave a review on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you're listening from and subscribe to the show. Okay, on to today's episode. Today, we are starting the conversation on cortisol. This is a big topic, one I absolutely love talking about. I've received so many DMs on Instagram about this subject, and I know you guys have many questions. I run cortisol testing quite regularly in my practice. With over 70 reports run thus far, I have yet to see a normal result. This includes my own cortisol testing, which so happened to be the worst. The importance of this subject, let's just say it is crucial for feeling and living your best life. There is a lot to unpack regarding cortisol as it is highly complex. As I am not here to overwhelm, I thought splitting this into digestible segments would make the most sense. I'm thinking this will be a three-part series, but depending on how long the next two episodes run, I may consider adding a fourth segment. What is the best way to kick off this discussion? There is nothing like starting with the basics. We will first define what is cortisol. Then we will talk about the function of cortisol. We're going to get deep into why cortisol is so important and why dysregulation of cortisol is so pertinent to our health and wellness. We will continue the cortisol conversation discussing the impact that adrenal dysfunction has on the body, the effects of high and low cortisol, and finally, what to do about managing cortisol later in the series. I think you guys are absolutely going to love this conversation. Many of the things we're going to discuss may surprise you. The impact cortisol has on the body may give you a new perspective on the importance of prioritizing self-care. Are you ready to jump head first into one of the most impactful hormones in the body? Let's go. What is cortisol? Cortisol is a part of the endocrine system. Our endocrine system is an intricate communication network 
that controls our hormones. This incredible system involves our brain, particularly the pituitary, pineal gland, and hypothalamus, as well as our thymus, pancreas, adrenal glands, thyroid, testes, and ovaries. With both organs and glands, the endocrine system helps with metabolism, mood, reproduction, growth and development, movement, breathing, and also stress. This network helps regulate body function. The endocrine system, working with both the immune system and the nervous system, is an intricate web of communication, helping us to respond and adapt to both the external and internal environment. Cortisol is commonly known as the stress hormone. It is made from cholesterol, as all hormones are, which is very interesting, isn't it? We'll talk more a little bit later about the impact of not having enough cholesterol on hormones. Our cortisol follows a circadian rhythm. We talked about the circadian rhythm a few different times on the show, but probably the most in-depth in episode 9, The Benefits of Sleep. If you have not listened to that episode, I highly recommend you go back and listen to it because we need a thorough understanding of this so we can optimize our health. Because it follows the circadian rhythm, it is highest in the morning, or at least it should be. It takes energy to get out of bed, doesn't it? So we need cortisol in the morning. We open our eyes, light hits our retina, our pituitary gland releases ACTH, adrenocorticotropic hormone, which then signals our adrenal glands to release cortisol. Typically, it should be at its highest point, roughly 30 minutes after you wake up, and it should decline throughout the day and be at its lowest point right before you go to sleep. It's important to remember that for those of us on a third shift, graveyard shift, night shift, however you want to classify yourself, but those that sleep during the day and are awake at night will have a different diurnal rhythm. It should be flipped from daytime, so it should be the highest when you wake up at night and then gradually get lower and be at its lowest in the morning when you're getting ready to go to bed. I was reading an interesting article this morning that talked about shift workers and the importance of staying on that shift and not flipping back and forth, as flipping back and forth greatly impacts your circadian rhythm and, subsequently, your cortisol. This takes me back to my night shift days and how I flipped the days when I was not working, and I was basically a train wreck. So, if you are a night shift worker, it is better to embrace the darkness, if possible. Cortisol is part of a highly complex feedback system that has to do with the hypothalamus, the pituitary, and the adrenal glands. This is also known as the HPA axis. Both the pituitary and the hypothalamus ensure you have enough cortisol in your bloodstream. In a normal functioning adrenal situation, 
If the cortisol is too high or too low, our brain will let our adrenal glands know to either make less or more. I want to address something that I just mentioned. In a normal functioning adrenal situation, we're going to get more into this later on, but it is important that you understand your body might not be reacting normally, and there are many reasons why this would be the case. I hate that word normal because it feels like so many of us can be classified as abnormal. Just know if you're told you are not normal, you are not alone. Cortisol is a steroid hormone. It's a glucocorticoid and it is produced in the adrenal glands. Let's break down the word glucocorticoid. Gluco meaning sugar and corticoid meaning steroid. This word glucocorticoid tells us that cortisol is a key player with the regulation of our blood sugar. Oftentimes we think of cortisol only as a stress hormone, but if we think about its importance with managing blood sugar, it paints a better picture for the rationale behind its importance. This is the perfect segue into the function of cortisol. Our bodies are constantly adapting to both our external and internal environment with the goal of achieving stability. This is known as homeostasis. There are many factors involved with homeostasis that each play a role with balance. To better understand this concept, let's start with a brief overview of our autonomic nervous system. You've probably heard the term fight or flight. This reaction comes from our autonomic nervous system, which controls involuntary actions like blood pressure, the beating of our heart, digestion, and sexual arousal. There are two antagonistic sets of nerves of this complex system, the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. That reaction, fight or flight, comes from the sympathetic nervous system. If we are in danger, our body will instinctively either run or fight. In a life or death situation, this will save your life. The chemical mediators of this response include norepinephrine, epinephrine, and cortisol. When we are engaging our sympathetic nervous system, our parasympathetic takes a back seat. A great way to visualize the parasympathetic nervous system is to think of rest and digest. Both the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous systems should complement and also oppose each other. When we have a stressor, real or perceived, our central nervous system sends a signal to our sympathetic nervous system, which then triggers the release of norepinephrine. Once norepinephrine is released, it then initiates the stress response, signaling our adrenal glands to release epinephrine into the circulatory system. This happens very quickly. If you can imagine an intruder busting down your front door, you need that immediate response to either run or fight. The actions of epinephrine and norepinephrine cause an increase in our heart rate, cardiac output, and also our blood pressure. The bronchi of our lungs dilate, so we have more oxygen. 
our pupils also dilate so we can have more focus for the impending threat. Anything that is not necessary for immediate survival, such as digestion, or our thoughts of sexual relations, will fall to the wayside. If an intruder busts in, or if our brain perceives a threat, it does not have to be an actual physical danger. If our brain perceives there is a danger, our bodies will shift into a sympathetic nervous system response. And everything, except for the necessary functions of survival, will be suppressed. Dr. Gilliams, the author of the book, The Role of Stress and the HPA Axis in Chronic Disease Management, discussed that there are four categories of stressors. The threat or perceived threat or stress, circadian disruption, blood sugar regulation, and inflammatory signaling. If any of these stressors are continually upregulated, this will ultimately lead to HPA axis dysfunction. So you can see this goes beyond what we think of as stress. If we disrupt our circadian rhythm, our bodies will see this as a threat. Our bodies don't know if we're running from a tiger or someone just broke into our house or if we are on a yo-yo diet with constant blood sugar changes. Why should we care about this at all? Simply put, adrenal dysfunction leads to chronic disease. I have stage two adrenal dysfunction. There are only three stages. I do not want any other diseases or issues. My awareness of my dysfunction opened my eyes like nothing else could have. It literally caused me to stop. I just stopped. Stopped running myself into the ground. Stopped the perpetual stress cycle fueled by negative self-talk. Stopped neglecting sleep. The initial stress response is pro-inflammatory. Our bodies are so amazing. The induction of inflammation is part of our survival. Functioning to destroy foreign invaders, pathogens, antigens. The last step is the production and release of cortisol. This usually is initiated after about 15 minutes. So, the beginning phase of the stress response, the immediate response, is norepinephrine and then epinephrine. Roughly 15 minutes goes by, then cortisol comes in to provide the fuel necessary to keep the stress response going until it is resolved. Something to note is that cortisol is anti-inflammatory. It prevents nerve and tissue damage. It is also catabolic, meaning that it breaks things down. One of cortisol's main functions is the regulation of our blood sugar. If our brain is under the impression that we have something going on, some type of stressor, cortisol gets triggered and we will release glucose through gluconeogenesis by Tapping into these protein stores in the liver, cortisol can quickly provide glucose to the body. Remember, our body is in a state of danger, and we need energy to battle a threat. So not only does cortisol cause our glucose to go up, it also inhibits insulin. What did I just say? Cortisol inhibits insulin? Isn't that a good thing? We keep hearing about Insulin, our old buddy insulin, 
and we don't want it high. So wouldn't this be a good thing? If insulin doesn't come swooping in to transport the glucose into the cells, glucose remains in the bloodstream. If we're running for our lives, we need that fuel, that quick energy, that glucose to survive. But this threat to our lives? If it's not a tiger or a guy with a knife, if it's the job you hate or an unhappy relationship, if it's constant sleep deprivation or calorie restriction, if you're doing two-a-day workouts, thinking you're helping your body, like I was, if you're skipping meals and thinking you will lose weight that you've been trying to lose, when our stress response is activated and our body perceives the threat to be continuous, glucose remains in the bloodstream causing hyperglycemia, high blood sugar. Our bodies are very, very good at seeking homeostasis. But if it is chronic stress, if stress is a part of your everyday life, how is that impacting your body? If cortisol remains elevated, our blood sugar will remain elevated, perpetuating insulin resistance. This can impact our bodies greatly metabolically, and we will go into this more later in the series. Cortisol also suppresses our reproductive system, our digestive system, and alters our immune system responses. Let's lean into that for a second. We talked about if we are running from a tiger, obviously, we're not going to be thinking about eating a sandwich or having sex. But how could chronically dysregulated cortisol affect our bodies? What is the impact of chronically elevated cortisol? Or how about low cortisol? Would lower cortisol be better? We're going to dive deep into these topics next week. They say our brains can only process so much at a time, and I am not looking to mess with your cortisol. I hope you found today's episode informative and it gave you something to think about. If you're not following me on Instagram, why not? The Functional Nurse Practitioner. That is the best place to send me messages about topics you want to see here on the show. If you're getting value from the show, share it with a friend. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Love you guys.